Welcome to What's My Thesis. I am your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found or the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is, if it, if like I say it wrong, I'm going to be very mad because it, it should. It, it seems like it should just be easy from the spelling, but it might like have one of those like weird regional things. But uh, Melissa Lonely? Loney. Loney? Oh, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Bad. <laughs> My dyslexia just knows no end. I'm also dyslexic, so it works either way. <laughs> the worst part is that this time it's on the screen and I didn't see it. I just didn't bother to look right there, right in the mm-hmm. corner. But luckily it won't show up in the uh, in the video. <laughs> so uh, I also, you're one of the guests that I'm not very uh, well acquainted with. So uh, you, I'm, I, I'm, are you in L.A.? No, I'm yeah. actually in Fayetteville, Arkansas for okay. the MFA program. At the MFA program? Where are you, where are you from originally? Like, it, uh, I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, so we're going to be dealing with a whole region of the world that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell where people are from just from Instagram. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't sit there and look at where the, the location tags but I don't know, for some reason, I just figure you, you could definitely like just fit in out here <laughs> in terms of how you Instagram and all of that. Like, uh, I totally thought you were in L.A., which doesn't happen all the time. But uh, yeah. So do you do you mostly just post your work on Instagram or, or what? what uh, here, let me see. Um, on that Instagram on like Melissa Loney art. Yeah. I really, okay. That's, that's why I don't, that's why I don't see, I'm like, wow, man. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're from Nebraska and where else? And, and and like now you're in uh, Arkansas. Yeah. I, um, I was born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. And then I went to undergrad at a really small liberal arts school in rural Nebraska. And then I came straight to grad school in Arkansas. Okay. So what do people, what do you think the perception of uh, Nebraska is from people that aren't from Nebraska? Um, I'm obviously thinking Hoosiers and all of that, but I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a really huge football fan. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I think I even have a really distorted view of Nebraska because Omaha, just as a whole, is, like, it's right on the, like, state line, and it's a super liberal pocket, like, within okay. the Midwest and within, like, a super rural straight, rural state, and it has, like, half the population of the state, so uh-huh. once you get out of Omaha, I honestly don't even know the, like, perception of Nebraska, but football is a really big thing, definitely, Okay. And there aren't any like professional sports teams really any anywhere in the state of Nebraska. So they're really into college football. Oh, okay. They're That's full ride or dies for it. So uh, how, wh- how do you, where do you stand on all of that? Did that seep um, into that? Did that culture like absorb or on some level or no? Um, I think the like loyalty of it and like this just like blind dedication to something I think that Mm. really seeped into me but um I don't really care about the Cornhuskers I don't really follow the football team but my dad do do are you do you have any interest in football at all um I'd say no no okay um I do have a greater interest in baseball 
And the like college world series is in Omaha. So like the, um, the like finals for like university baseball teams is in Omaha every summer. So I go, grew up going to that a lot and I'm a lot more interested in baseball than football. I like, I like that you uh, translated uh, world series into finals. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I definitely am not a huge football fan. And like, the reason I ask is because there's definitely like, I I didn't get the sense that you were like this, but, uh, there's definitely like, for me, I think if I see somebody that's like really into football on like a dating app, you know, like a woman that's like, so if you put Raider Nation on anything, I'm like, oh, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> like <laughs> That like you, I'm going to be the one that gets in the way of your games instead of like you're not like you probably just want a dude to sit down on a couch with and watch all Sunday long. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's not going to work out. But so so is so then how do you get into art in like uh, in, in Omaha? Is there a big art scene there? Um. I, there is a pretty good art scene, especially between like Kaneko, um, June Kaneko's like contemporary ceramics gallery is based out of Omaha. So that's really good. And then, um, the Bemis center for contemporary art, that artist in residency program is in Mm -hmm. Omaha, Nebraska. And I interned and worked for them as their administrative assistant for a while when I was like 19 to 20. And that kind of like, put my like feet into like contemporary art with a capital C and a capital A. And are you a millennial or a zoomer? Um, definitely, definitely not a boomer or a, a, a Gen Xer. Are I you? no, I, I would, I'm 22. So I would, so I would say zoomer? I fall into Gen Z. You prefer Gen Z? Yeah. Oh man. Zoomer. If I was a zoomer, I would love zoomer just cause it sounds like, into the future, man. <laughs> but I totally understand. And I will not refer to you as a Zoomer. It's okay. I'm down with it. <laughs> no, but uh, okay. And so, so, but is, is, is there like, um, like, I'm just trying to picture the uh, uh, Nebraska because I have like absolutely no concept. So Midwestern, like, is it, does it have similarity to other Midwestern parts of the world? Like, how does it, is it anything like Chicago or is that like, would, would Chicagoans be very upset that I'm asking that? Um, I feel like Chicago would be offended and Omaha would blush if they were compared to Chicago. Yeah. But um, I think a lot of the like mentality mm-hmm. is very like similar throughout the Midwest and the like work ethic is very similar in that like grind type of mentality is very similar between like Chicago and Mm. Omaha. But I would say there's a lot, um, Omaha, it ends up getting like quite insular in terms of like both the art scene and just like the community as a whole. I'd say Mm -hmm. it's not like as accessible as Chicago is. Okay. So there's not, so it's more that there are few, it, that sounds like basically there's fewer opportunities to show. Is that, am I getting the right impression there? Yeah. And, there's, and then, yeah. And then access becomes like interesting. Mm-hmm. There's fewer opportunities to show, I would say. And, um, but it also does like hearken to like a lot of community, like within like the art scene in Omaha and, um, I wish I was involved in it more, but I like came to Arkansas straight out of undergrad, but there are a lot of like, 
um, artist-based galleries and artist-based organizations with mm -hmm. artists making work for other artists that are really good within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was I was trying to figure out if that existed, because um, it seems like it's sort of everywhere. So I just assume that it, it's there. But you, mm -hmm. but then it, it's, uh, it's uh, so like, what about Arkansas? Brought you there? Like, uh, was it a particular a professor in the program or? Um, it was a, it was a couple things, okay. mainly Instagram. I, um, helped cure, uh, set up and run a show, um, where I went to undergrad with young space when I was like a sophomore in college. Mm. And, um, we ended up curating in a lot of the MFAs from the university of Arkansas. So like that program, like came on my radar then radar mm -hmm. then. And then a lot of the faculty here are like alumni from the BMS residency program. So those two things coming together, like made me look at the school. And yeah. Then, Interesting. Yeah, worked out. yeah, no, I mean, cause I, to be honest, I have no idea about schools anymore at all <laughs> in general. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. No, it like, yeah. It, it, uh, there was a time where I was like trying to get into an MFA program, but then I was just like, I made the decision not to, uh, mostly because I live out in LA and like, it's so competitive out here for, for teaching jobs that I was like, well, I can be an artist without being a teacher. And mm -hmm. I, teaching wasn't a big thing for me, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, cause I, for my MFA, I went to a pretty small school and the program was still somewhat useful to me. Uh, I, I, I definitely, um, am always curious cause I don't know. I don't think like you have to go to like a crazy, <laughs> you know, like when, when Cal arts wants the kind of money that they wanted me to pay to go there, I'm like, Hmm, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll go to Arkansas. Cause fuck that. <laughs> yeah. I think like a lot of it for me was both. Um, I was done with paying to go to school after going to a liberal arts school for undergrad. I was like, mm -hmm. if I'm going to school again, I'm being paid. I am not paying to attend. Yeah. And also I was like, for my MFA in my mind, I I'm definitely like a studio rat in terms of like where I spend my time. And mm -hmm. this is like the space where I dedicate so much of my time to every day. So I'm like, whether the studio's in Boston or in Fayetteville, Arkansas, inside yeah. the walls it looks the same yeah all right so do you want to do you want to tell me what your topic is and get into that a little bit sure okay. um i'm definitely a big fan of your instagram i've seen you know like i've definitely uh been looking at that for a while so um i mean we don't have to get into the aesthetic but uh i am curious like especially because I don't, I didn't even know you had a, a different one. You know, I thought you were just like, so it, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm more than anything blown away that you can run two Instagrams because I can't, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So what's the topic? Um, I wanted to talk about generational labor, both okay. in terms of like how, like where we grow up and how we grow up and how that like interprets kind of our understanding of like working and practicing both in terms of like art and just like the general like daily grind and also um generational like craft processes like within art because okay. um a lot of my work has like concerned both um domestic practices that like 
relate to kind of like a feminine lineage of like domestic craft and Mm -hmm. also um, things that like directly applied to me. And like a lot of the things I've been doing, doing lately, like relates to cake baking, which goes back to my grandma's, my grandma was a cake baker and ran her own business Mm -hmm. and how these kind of like processes and actions um, can relate like into art practices. That, no, that's interesting. As if I seem distracted, is because I was like, I realized that I could uh, look at your work on my computer as I listen to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so get a, get an idea for yeah. So de- I'm definitely seeing some of the cake stuff there. Uh, are you piping all of these? Yes, they're all okay. um, they're all actual cakes, and they're all hand piped with like a star tip pipe, which was really popular for like children's birthday cakes in like the 70s to 90s then it went away in like the 2000s and it's coming back but um my grandma her name was Cleo she taught me all of this practice and I also like did it with my mom when I was little and Uh um just like relating that action and craft-based process and practice especially I found really exciting like as I started making work in grad school it's interesting because it, from the images, it looks like it could also be um, some kind of like stitching kind of uh, aesthetic. I mean, unless like obviously when you get closer to it, you can see it more in detail. But um, and so uh, tell me about the um, the messages that you have written on um, mm-hmm. on these pieces, on these cakes, because. It it's like uh, it's it. I mean, it makes sense that you would have text on there because you write on cakes, yeah. <laughs> right? So what? Where? What? What? Do, how do you choose? Uh, you know, things like I adopted a dog. I spoke mm-hmm. up for myself. Are these like in, just reading them? It sounds like there's like a celebratory moment, right? Yeah. So okay. a lot of them relate to like. Um, like autonomous milestones from just like people around me or like people who have like DM'd me on Instagram and like brought me this like milestone that they've had in their life. So these aren't things I've personally achieved. I've not purchased a house though. I wish I could. Um, <laughs> oh, good luck for your generation. It's even harder. No. Yeah. One I mean, day- I, I don't own a house, so I'm not like talking like I'm way, I got in, man. <laughs> We're in the same boat at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, they're like kind of these autonomous milestones. And I spent a lot of time thinking about my grandma's cake business and like kind of this like capitalist metric that she always made cakes for. And it was like Mm -hmm. wedding cakes, birthday cakes, graduation, baby shower. Like it was these very like traditional understanding of like what's worth celebrating and also what is publicly viewed as like a point of celebration. And thinking about it both with in like terms of like COVID where like group celebrations were limited, but also um, kind of like querying this idea of like when and how we get to celebrate individually and marking that yeah. in like an autonomous fashion is where a lot of these statements came from. Yeah, I'm all for uh, rewarding myself with cake whenever mm-hmm. I <laughs> just randomly uh no th- uh, these these are great uh so then and and you do work with some like fabrics and whatnot uh are these drawings or w- like do you have some things here that have like uh it's like a t- bathroom tile uh set up with uh, some very bathroomy kind of 
uh, vibes. The like the pink one, it's uh, it's like sculptural but fluffy and uh, yeah. Um, the fiber pieces that I've done, um, there none of them are done with a tufting gun, even though um, I have one and I've never got, never gotten gotten around to using it yet. But they're latch hooked, so it's like individually tied knots into like a sheet of like uh-huh. British mesh canvas or it's a needle punch, which is like individually punched yarn that like okay. can make the different forms. And so is there like a tradition behind this stuff? Um, Cause aesthetically I'm definitely getting something domestic about it in a very specific, like, uh, I don't know. I'm getting very bathroom vibes. Is that like <laughs> in, in, in two of them specifically, you know, like that where there's this tile, tile stuff. There's definitely other ones which are a lot more fluffy. Uh, mm-hmm. n- okay, now I'm getting away from the idea of the bathroom, but <laughs> but yeah. So so okay. So then let's get back into the labor thing because I think that I just wanted to contextualize it a little bit with what you're with what you're doing because um, when you book people sometimes. It, a bunch of advance it can like be hard to remember exactly what you were watching mm-hmm. when you invite them so it's helpful but and then also to just kind of have listeners have an understanding of like where the the stuff is showing up so okay so labor generational labor obviously there's things like uh coal mining and and, and whatnot um, farming are things that come to mind. Are you talking in those terms or is there, are there things that I'm not like even thinking about that maybe we should consider? Um, the way I think a lot about generational labor is, and I'm in no way an expert on any of this and like the sociological (laughs) perspective on it. But, um, I think about how channeling like towards my grandma's cake business. Yes, there was like an aesthetic connection and this like development of these like really garish, garishly colored cakes that was like super awesome to me when I was like seven, but also how um, these like generational practices teach like this level of like a work ethic or like an actual like practice that's related towards like art making as well. Mm. And how like, her practice of like making these cakes like seeped into every like facet of her life the same way I feel like art making has like for me and how it's like ever present within the things that I do and um, relating that like kind of labor tactic and like art being work and how these things fall together. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, so in terms of uh of how you're you're dealing with um I mean how where what do you think the evolution is though right like cuz you're you're obviously taking it off into your interests so you're saying that essentially that there was a baking practice that ha- has now evolved like th- through generational mm-hmm. learning the mm-hmm. uh, or or inheritance the the um, that has evolved into your art practice. So is that like, do you see that happening elsewhere or are you talking more specifically about your own experiences with that? Like, I think, um, 
it like what it relates to like my own experience, but I think it also, um, relates to like, I think for me, like growing up in the Midwest and like a lot of like artists who have like came or like grew up in, in like spaces where there wasn't really an art scene, but there was like a scene or like a practice where they could relate an action of making towards mm-hmm. how they like understand and interpret their own practice today. So is there a lot, you're saying that there's like a lot of people do that, that do kind of like farming <laughs> practice yeah. related artwork. So how would that like, do you, do you have an example of someone, you know, that's like that or. Oh, I wouldn't say like farming practice related artwork. Um, I think about like, I think like Sheila Pepe's work and like how, um, a lot of like, I love Sheila Pepe. She's like my number one artist ever, but, um, how her work like is related to like this generational practice of like crocheting that one, her like mother taught her in terms of like re-inhabiting that skill and that craft and how it like exists within her artwork, but also, um, like this connection towards like family and just like that comparative structure of making and that work ethic that was like employed. Mm-hmm. We can also go in so many different directions. I don't. Yeah, think no, it- for sure. So, so take it, take us, take us on the next ride. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go, uh, like, I mean, because, so, I'm just trying to figure out, like, um, I, I, I'm, I mean, I feel like we've sort of gotten the the main gist of the idea of, uh, of that generational practice. Personally, like, is there something mm-hmm. more like? What, what kind of things beyond just the cake making practice can we, like, are there other, um, facets to, to the labor? Like, cause you mentioned that there was the idea of learning how to be a, a business person and whatnot. Can you speak a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of this, a lot of like these ideas came from like me interpreting them individually and then like trying And like kind of like remixing and seeing how they like exist outside of it. But at least like in relation to like my grandma, I think it came initially as me like exploring this like cake business for like the vanity of it. But then realizing how like it became a lens of like structurally necessary making and how Mm. um, she was able to subvert like a lot of the like economic scene of like rural Iowa in the seventies where she didn't have her own income and, but was expected to use that income to like take care of her children. And she was able to like use this process to develop her own like autonomous income, Mm -hmm. like within our family and that like social, like sociopolitical underpinning of that business. I also find really, yeah, no, that's fascinating. And so what, what is the, um, What's the, I mean, obviously as an artist, I'm sure there's a socioeconomic, uh, and being a woman artist as well. I mean, not that like the market is already so flooded, but I think there's a general sense that, um, the, the virtuoso is still Mm -hmm. considered a man (laughs) in a Mm -hmm. lot of people's uh, mind. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. How does that, do you, do you find there's like fractal rep, uh, like, uh, relationships between, 
things that your mother or that your grandmother did and even your mom like tell us a little bit also about your mom because now i'm curious because it seems like you're going a generation away like was your mom not uh industrious and uh or like what what or or, or was she of a generation that had to work for for a living and so mm-hmm. like tell me more about that relationship because she's your she's your mother's mother yeah right um i think my mom my mom was definitely like integrated in the cake business as well and uh-huh. she made cakes with my grandmother through a lot of it. And then at one point she moved to Denver, like moved away and didn't live at home anymore. So she couldn't like help my grandma on the daily as much. But um, I think my mom also came and came from a perspective of like this kind of like underlying feminist understanding of like the seventies and the eighties where she didn't want to live in rural Iowa. She didn't want to be a farmer's wife and like rejected (laughs) A lot of she's very explicitly said those words to me that she was not going to be a farmer's wife. And um, she rejected that like kind of like domestic, solely domestic role and like the domestic space being your world. And uh-huh. because of that, I think she had to go into like a more industry based job. But um, a lot of it, uh, why I went directly to my grandmother and kind of like skipped the mother part is um, I ended up like inheriting a lot of the like remnants of her cake business um, mm. right as I started grad school. My grandfather passed away during my work week. And so I had to go back home really quick for the funeral and they like were wrapping up a lot of like this stuff with the house and like selling off a lot of like her business and like their items and like the records of it. So I like, uh, it was, is, was she still around at the time or is she still around? No, she's not around anymore. Okay. So, and, but so then he was the, he was the caretaker of her, uh, her, the, these remnants that you inherited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like kind of left. Um, she ran her, business out of her basement and like converted it into a kitchen. So once they like, were going to sell the house, they were going to sell off all of the items that went with the business as well. And I like ran in and was like, I'm taking the cake pans <laughs> and I like put them in my car and like between my mom and I like got all of these materials back to Arkansas so I could start working with them. But, um, I but, think so it also, are you making, are you being an artist and not making cake with the cake pans or are you making cakes with the cake pans? I am making cakes with the cake pans. Okay. That you can also be an artist and use things for what they're supposed to be. But I, I was wondering if mm-hmm. like, you know, so then the, are these actual cakes, the things that I'm seeing or like, yes. Oh, okay. I thought they were like, I, oh, I, I didn't realize. I thought since it was art, my brain was immediately like, Oh, of course you want to make it like archival or some shit. I, that's even cooler that it's mm-hmm. just actual cakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first set of, um, I made 15 cakes. I, um, I can actually grab one right here. Yeah, sure. So I made 15 cakes and, um, they were actual cakes that I gave to people and like put out into the world and were fully consumed and eaten. And then how I chose to document them was I made a publication 
Mm-hmm. And they have that has each of the images in them with okay. each of the takes. And then like ghosted on the back of it is like the details of it. So like who the cake went to, what it said, what the cake was like made of, like if it was like a yellow cake or a funfetti cake with cream cheese frosting, Fun and then fetty. the date that I made it. And um one both like visually kind of like interpreting like the aesthetics like of this business because that was also a similar way that like my grandma decorated her cakes was she Uh would like just take a picture of them at the wedding and then like print it out at her local drugstore and then write on the back of it like the information of the cake and that's how she built her own archive and using that structure and then documenting it as well so they're actual cakes that get consumed yeah no that's amazing um so then, okay, so I'm getting, there's like a, I think that also maybe since you didn't work in the cake business, <laughs> you might have a different relationship to it than your mom does. Mm-hmm. But, but so that, so, okay, so then that's interesting. So we're dealing with cakes and we're dealing with hosting. You're not charging people for the cake. So then there's a domestic practice of like, um, reaching out are, are these these cakes are like sizable though right they're not like individual cakes they're like party cakes it seems yeah. right yeah okay so then how many people just ate them by themselves <laughs> not to uh, out anyone that's lonely because i could have been <laughs> one of them easily and how many people ate them like you know in the context of like uh hey dude i have this cake it's celebrating this uh, do you want to come eat it? Like, do you have any idea? Did you follow up on any of that or not? Um, I know some of them were, uh, quite a few of them were consumed like amongst groups. Cause a lot of them like disseminated into my MFA cohort <laughs> and like <Okay. laughs> certain people had cakes and like, were eating them together. But there were also within the making of these cakes, there kind of became this kind of awesome exchange where, um, I made some of the cakes for like people who like DM'd me on Instagram or like were my friends from like Denver, like just from Mm. different places. So I couldn't physically give them the cake. So it was like someone else's milestone, like documented on a cake that someone else was eating. And they had this like celebratory exchange between like two people who didn't even know each other. That's crazy. And um, I kind of like made these like micro group affairs and these like micro connections that came uh-huh. out of like these larger things. So, that, but then did I, am, did I get this right? There were people that were exchanging like a confetti cake for a yellow cake. Yeah. A slice. <laughs> they were like, here, have some of this cake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, and then, okay. So then tell me more about how this domestic thing, obviously this, this is the, the generational labor stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like this business And this whole thing, like you've just now gotten your hands on the tools, but it's been an influence from before. Is that something that I'm getting correct? Yeah, I think um, I've thought about like, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I'd go. Um, That's why I started to nod. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about like, um, uh, like domestic practices and traditions and how they're inherited, especially when I was making a lot of fiber work and, um, like 
uh, latch hooking and needle punch. And um, I did the, I did a lot of that work my senior year of undergrad and also like coming out of that, which was like when quarantine started and um, really thinking about like traits and practices that could be like both self-taught and like interpersonally taught compared to like taught in like an educational sense and how those existed in different spaces. And I think that idea kind of like involved into the generational labor and like what practices was I directly taught by my Mm -hmm. family. And um, I think then it also became kind of this challenge of figuring out how to like reinterpret this process of generational labor in a way that liberates it from this, like these like sociopolitical, like underpinnings of it and doesn't reinforce them. Cause I think I thought about it in a lot of different ways of like, should I make a cake business? Should I like start like practicing this thing? But also in exploring this, I've realized how much, um, that cake business actually kind of like weighed on my grandmother and like Mm -hmm. weighed on the, like on the situation and just the way in which she, she existed and how I can like continue this tradition that doesn't without reinforcing it. Yeah. Well, when you said labor, even my interpretation of it was so, um, uh, what's it called? Male normative where Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, you know, I was talking in terms of minds and stuff and you were speaking, speaking on, you know, like, um, I want to be careful about how I say about gender, but like mother, daughter, like generational labor. And obviously for your grandmother, there were not opportunities that, um, that like maybe even you have today. Well, it's arguable (laughs) 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 to be honest with the way the economy is now. But, uh, ideally, you know, you get what I'm saying, but like, that's a realization that I'm having from this conversation that I didn't, I like, I just noticing that assumption about generational labor. I was like, and, and mostly because the way I interpreted the title was like, um, in my own academic bullshit, like, you know, like, oh yes, let's talk about intergenerational politics of labor and all of that, like left this bullshit. But like, in -hmm. reality, there's like a lot of different nuances that like, you know, even somebody who fancies themselves as like Mm -hmm. interested in labor politics doesn't even, it doesn't even occur to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, it also goes to like, also the way that, um, I think labor and craft often like fall into each other, especially when thinking about art. Cause it's like usually like the type of objects and the type of practices that are done in like an output that's like business oriented or like product oriented. But um, even like exploring how the like relationship between like domestic labor and domestic craft exists Mm. in like an art scene compared to like, other forms of like craft and other forms of labor. And, um, they have kind of like their own like micro culture to them and how they like exist in way on one another. Cause my grandma, like, like my grandma's cake business, she loved it. And I think it like provided her like a sense of community and outreach in a lot of ways, but also like fed into a lot of like patriarchal bullshit that she didn't even realize she was, maybe not didn't realize, but 
didn't may not have like participated or focused on how many different in what sense what do you mean are you speaking in the abstract or do you have like an example that you're you're talking about obviously because i mean it's obvious at that time period it's gonna she's gonna have to deal with patriarchal bullshit but Mm -hmm. but i'm asking like is there like an like is there something that you perceive in the way in, in the way that she tells stories about her experience where you're like Oh shit! You know, because that happens to me with my like with my father. Even I'm like, oh, being a Cuban refugee was kind of fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, um, so is is that what we're talking about here? Where you're like, oh man, that's really fucked up. Like, ma, uh, grandma, you don't even know the story you're telling is like heartbreaking. <laughs> I think um, I not necessarily from her as much, but honestly from like cake baking culture which okay. is something I've like kind of I've like delved into and um Wilton is like this really big like cake baking company and they like make all of these like vintage cake bands and they make all the piping bags and like if you're gonna get cake stuff they're where you go to and they've existed as a company since the 60s and they like used to put out these ads that were like for these women to like come to these cake baking classes in like rural areas. And they were like, you can make your own income off of this. You can start your own business. Think of the things you can do and like Mm -hmm. promise them these like outlets of like an income and like an autonomous like relationship to like business. But then it's also like, yeah, that's true. But like, there can only be one cake baking lady in the town. And (laughs) how they like had this like, kind of like this lure and this promise of like these women being able to, or these like non-male individuals, like being able to participate in this economy. Yeah. But it kind of didn't really work for everybody or couldn't work for everybody. And like big ups to grandma for being the success story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's a little, uh, like she ended up being one of the successful MLM people. Like mm-hmm. not that it's an MLM, but that, that that's, it sounds like basically I want during the, the last economic crash when I was looking for work, not this, this one, but in 2008, I went to a, um, a job interview and it was already shady because they were like, we just need you to work for free for like one day so we can evaluate you. And I'm like, that's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to work for free. And then, and then I do the interview and she asks me like, cause there's two tracks. There's like the employee track and then there's the manager owner track. And she asked me like, which one do you want to be? And I was like, well, obviously I'm going to say manager. And then mm-hmm. I thought about it as, on my way out and I asked everybody in the room, I was like, how many of you guys are going for like manager? And then everyone raised their hand and I'm like, okay, this is definitely a scam. <laughs> the expanded interview. <laughs> They're just going to make people work for free and they just have a ro- rotating, like whatever the fuck the scam is. But it was just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, interested. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it sounds like that kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, you'll all, all you have to do is buy this thing and you guys can get yourself started. Mm-hmm. So is that where the cake pans come from, from like a, a setup like that? Yeah, they came up, they came from a setup like that. And, um, she like did full on mail-in ordering and would like send in requests for different pans or like different cake related things to get delivered. And they would like come to her house and she ran all of it all of it from her home 
which was so, let me go back to the Instagram because now I want to see because these are like so there's a tractor shape there's a van shape mm-hmm. there's a flower shape there's a spaceman shape I can, I see how this was all making sense now all of this is definitely 70s there's like a big bird kind of uh yeah there's like a rainbow bright one there's and and there's also um like kind of just a fun thing about like making these cakes for people is like my own history that's kind of like imbued within these pans and also the like collective history of them because they're like that astronaut cake pan I'm sure that has been over a dozen kids birthday cakes yeah yeah I bet the the Powerpuff Girl one was my sister's like sixth birthday cake and um being able to like view them both as like cake pans, but also just like molds and vessels and like being able to like hold and share and exchange this like sense of community and like being 22 and being in my like first year of grad school, my like full art praxis praxis and like perspective of my like direction of my career, like isn't fully developed. Who knows what I can end up doing, but I think, um, Within like making these cakes, it's been really exciting because it feels like it's one of the first moments where like community has really entered into my practice. And Mm -hmm. that was such a large part of like this labor that my grandma was performing and that these like cakes or even just referencing cakes was able to like carry over and exchange in the same way. I'm liking this uh, Easter bunny holding the egg. And he's got a soft face, but it says, I said no. <laughs> I love the bunny cake. The bunny cake, if that's a pretty I've good one. Favorites. The bunny cake is my favorite cake. Yeah. Uh, what is this? My, 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 my job is toxic. My toxic Wait. job ends in May. Oh, uh, ends in May. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, a non Coca-Cola branded Santa Claus. Yes. It is interesting what you're doing with the colors too, changing them up. It's not like it, it uh, it feels like, uh, it feels like people would have done that with cakes at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like someone who doesn't know what Big Bird is, but just like, <laughs> just goes for it. Yeah. Cool. I got into grad school. I got in. I didn't go. But um, cool, man. So this is all interesting. I'm I like, where do you, what do you, what do you, are you still on the K trip? Are you, what, what, what's like, is that, is that a piece that is done? Are you like still interested? Are there more um, aspects to, to, because uh, these are like, these things are actually kind of gems. It, it seems you know, they're like, they're also, like you said, they're iconic of a period. Yeah. Um, I think I, I don't know really with where the, like, where the cake chips fall right now. <laughs> but um, I think one thing that's exciting to me about like making these cakes recently has been um, how being able to like start so early in making like a practice or a project that could like carry on for so long Mm because like I don't if I ever make a cake in the rest of my life I really don't think it like can exist outside of this 
and like exist outside of like this learned trait and this like communal exchange and being able to like create something that can like hold that for a long time. But I'm also, um, some of the other work I'm making, I've been making that is not, hasn't made its way to my Instagram yet. Um, I've been using that like practice of hand piping, but piping tradition, like materials that aren't, um, aren't frosting. And I've, yeah, that's what I thought this was at first, you know, I've been piping a lot of like, um, like insulation spray foam or like silicone caulk into like these kind of like abstracted forms, which is the thing that's behind me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What's this stuff to the, to, to your left, my right. Yeah. What are these? Um, this is, it's like kind of a distorted version of a shelf. I will be honest. I made this my first week of grad school and put a solid French cleat on the back of it and really can't get it off the wall. <laughs> or it's I'm not interesting. willing to like brave getting it off the wall yet. But um, it does have like, it's kind of like a like distorted form. And like I viewed it as kind of like thinking of like, like antique type shelving and like kind mm-hmm. of like knickknack type shelves and like using my own like aesthetic language and kind of like consuming that domestic form. Not what, what generation would you say your, your mom is and your mom and your dad? Um, I, my, my, my dad is the last year of the baby boomers. Cause he was born in 1961 and my mom is the first year of the next generation. First year of Gen Y or yeah. Gen X? Gen X. Yep. Gen Y is millennial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Gen X Y Z. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to remember my alphabet there uh, just to make sure I had that right. That's great, man. I'm 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 really interested in 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 it. Um, and it's hard. It's you know, it's always hard. Like I don't think that a lot of this stuff about labor is actually really spoken about. So it took me a while in the conversation to to sort of get out of my thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I was asking the questions that were sort of relevant to to what you were saying. Because I was still thinking in a very like um, like I was thinking in a very researchy, non experiential way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because because when you think of labor, it's almost like I wonder what that is. I wonder if like labor has just become an abstraction to 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 me in in that like. I don't think of myself as a laborer, really, even mm-hmm. though that's like, I, I think that there's, there must be a mind fuck there that's going on through capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I think of it as this like thing that's discussed in academia, but not, but can't actually feel a tangible connection to it as an experiential thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. And I also think this is just like, both in and outside of the work, I think like artists sometimes have this like weird connection of like viewing their practice as labor. And like, it definitely is not always pleasure and like not always like a pleasurable experience, but realizing like that level of like time and like laborious commitment to like what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, No, if, if it wasn't labor, I mean, I, I, there are, there are definitely people that, 
No one bitches more about making art than artists. <laughs> you know, non-artists, when they make something, they're like, I'm so happy with it. <laughs> like, artists show you something, they tell you everything they hate about it. <laughs> it's like, I'm no good. And then it's an like, itemized list of everything that went into it. Yeah. It's like, I wasted all this money. I'm a failure. And then a week later, they'll be like, you know what? I think I, think I actually hit it with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm turning it around. <laughs> You know, I had a thought that contextualized it. So yeah, it's, it is, it is brain labor. Mm -hmm. So for sure, for sure, for sure. What do you, are, are you, uh, not that I'm putting pressure on you to have kids or anything, any such thing, but what do you think your kid is gonna, like, how do you think you, uh, would pass these ideas down if it is that it's totally fine if you don't want to have kids? I, um, I think my honest, this is the answer I give to my parents and my grandparents is I don't think I could have a kid now. Who knows what the future holds, but I don't think right now <laughs> the answer would be no. But um, I think, I think I also just as a whole, like um, that is another like theme in the way I think of like my practice is it's a lot about legacy and like, mm. what does legacy mean? if it isn't like directly imbued into like a child or in, into like a bloodline and how you mm. like participate in the communities and like family structures that you're in and really able to like carry and pass down traditions. But um, I don't know, honestly, and of, of like what it would necessarily mean for me to like directly pass down this like trait and practice to like someone within my like familial bloodline. But. No, but I mean, I, I just mean more in terms of like what what um, what do you think is valuable that like that maybe you discovered on your own that you mm -hmm. would pass down to another. Let's say you become a TA or <laughs> or, or, you know, or I don't want to put pressure on you to become a teacher either <laughs> or a professor or an adjunct professor mm -hmm. and live that glorious life of driving from to five different colleges just mm -hmm. to make a living. Uh, but like I'm saying in terms of that, like what do you think is important about labor that you could hand down? It just got weird because, you know, it became a guy talking to a woman about her having kids and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, but, but the main point is like, like what, what is a, what is something that you think that you've discovered on your own in terms of this generational thing that, um, that you, you know, in fairness to me, it, we were, it's also in the context of generational. So that's why I did the, the mm -hmm. child thing, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> yeah facts. but, but, but <laughs> it doesn't have to be familial generational. You can give advice to a random kid that you see on the street mm -hmm. painting, you mm -hmm. know, like, uh, in that space. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think a lot about ter uh, labor in terms of like the connection between like labor and practice. And I think, um, honestly like validating the like part of your practice that is work and just work with a capital W and realizing that like the research commitment to your practice and like the labor commitment to your practice is as important as the parts that you view as like fun or mm -hmm. um, being able to really like divide and commit to your uh, commit to like art making as a form of labor. 
Well said. Now I feel like a lazy asshole, though. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kidding. No, I mean I'm always that I I'm 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 almost always feeling like that. I'm always always feeling like I'm not doing enough, you know. And then I get burnt out. So I was making a joke, but yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's actually really good advice. Um, and it definitely resonates because. I, I I actually was uh, was talking to some. I had met someone and it didn't and it ended up not working out through like a dating app. But uh, I was telling, like they pointed out that like what I consider fun is actually literally labor, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is and she pointed out that's why I'm always burnt out. So that resonates with me, and so I definitely needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I think that I uh, and I think that that's. Uh, I do feel like the fact that you're thinking about labor in those terms, I've always felt like art and art making is sort of invalidated from a societal standpoint. So I definitely don't think I'm the only one that has internalized all that bullshit. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is why, like, to some degree, I felt like I needed to be a, a professor to just validate, you know, all of that shit. Just be like, Oh, well, that means if I can teach art, <laughs> that means I'm, yeah. a, I'm a legit artist, right? As opposed yeah. to just like having the labor of being an art maker make you mm-hmm. an artist. And especially like when what you do is like a 24-7 commitment. Like you, it's for me and I think for like most artists, it's, it's always what you're thinking about. And there's never like anywhere outside of it. And yeah. kind of realizing that and honestly like figuring out ways in which to like confront it rather than try to pretend like you'll ever get a vacation or ever be able to (laughs) not feel the burnout no yeah I do I do need to start to figure out how to do everything and nothing like in balance right Mm because I do like then I think what ends up happening is you just it becomes hard to continue to like stay engaged and enjoy the art making because your programming is to always think that you're not working when you're doing it and that you need to work more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a ritual of invalidation. It's hard. It's, I, I don't know. The weir- the real world has gotten into me. It's been a while since I've been able to just fully like commit to exclusively making art. And I think I want to maybe take a vacation, like, you know, an art making vacation, take like a, 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 a at least a three day weekend and just be like, all right, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I'm doing. But then I would have to go back to work and get no rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have any, this was really enlightening and, uh, the, you know, good on the world, explore and expand worldviews side of things, which is part of the intro because I definitely, you know, you made me think outside of my way of thinking about the world, which is kind of militant sometimes. Hey. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, can I help you promote anything? Do you, do you, uh, you have your, uh, your Melissa Looney art or Loney art? Yep. Yeah, I have that Instagram and then, um, yeah, everything, everything else I have going on is like pretty regional, but, um, 
Well, I, you can you, you 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 hopefully people from your region will listen. <laughs> back. Um, I'm a part of a group show this summer, which um, for Interform, which is an arts organization within Northwest Arkansas, that I'm very excited about. It's their first collective group show, so that's what I'm working towards. And cool. I think I'm going to have an exhibition in a kitchen, which will be fun. Nice. Nice. Artists doing it for themselves, man. That's mm-hmm. the name of the game. That's mm-hmm. the, you know. And I think that that kind of goes into that thing of like, uh, it's, it is definitely labor, but it's also compulsion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that's why artist spaces for art, to, that where artists show to other, for other artists exists because it's yeah. like, yeah, we can't stop. So yeah. And uh, we're at What's My Thesis, and I'm at Javier Proenza on Instagram and Twitter. And you can uh, listen to us everywhere that you get podcasts, and you can also check us out on YouTube if that is your bag. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Goodbye to all our listeners. And just one moment. Let me stop the recording.